Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. I've been... There's been murder attempted on my life like three times in two weeks. Disney tried to do it two weeks ago with the Disney Investor Day. Then Mother Nature tried to do it last week by dumping four freaking feet of snow on top of me. No, that's not an exaggeration. I took a measuring tape. Ran it outside, got somewhere between four and five feet of snow dropped on my head. That was fun. Uh, and then Disney goddamn near killed me again the next day. Yeah, for anybody that does not follow us on social media, and my first question is, why don't you? At OD Parlay Hour on Twitter, and you can find all of our social media accounts at OchoDuroParlayHour.com. This past week, we were the epicenter of a blizzard of 45 inches of snow. Uh, Yeah, and you can run the conversions if you're on the Imperial system. Uh, But at one point between the hours of 1 and 6 a.m., at times it was dropping in the neighborhood of about 5 or 6 inches an hour. Yes. So due to that, uh, Mother Nature tried taking out the ODPH, but obviously we're still standing But then we came across what we're going to kick off the show with, but just want to give another quick reminder. We are going to be talking spoilers after we tell you to head over to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Join in the conversation on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, because we're going to be starting that up in the new year. Also, check out the Tee Public store because it's going on. We're selling some merch, so thank you so much for everybody doing that. All that and so much more at OchoDuroPart.com. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPH because, like we said at the beginning of the show, we had an attempt to take down the ODPH by mm-hmm. Mother Nature, and then Disney said, hold my beer, yeah, and decided to drop the epic that was Chapter 16, The Rescue of the Mandalorian Season 2. Written by Jon Favreau, directed by some dude named Peyton Reed, uh, directed some movie called Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, you might have heard of it. Um, kind of made some waves a couple years ago. We are going to be talking spoilers. So we have given you fair warning that if you have not seen this episode... What the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, that's my question, because I even tried ducking spoilers, and somebody did the most egregious thing that we'll get into after we start kicking off the segment. But I want to give everybody enough time to say, be prepared, because we are going to deep dive into this epic episode in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think? This might be one of the greatest stories, episodes, you know, whatever you want to call it, that's ever been done in Star Wars. This, for me, is on par with the Mortis trilogy in the Clone Wars. Uh, you know, it's it's up there. Like, with any of the Clone Wars stuff, Dave Filoni has written and directed, you know. This this is up there for me, just in this episode. Like, not even just this season and this show alone. This episode alone. This episode generated more buzz then I'll say the last trilogy. Yeah, am I am I fair to say it, that it's generated more buzz than anything Star Wars in quite some time? And obviously, we've been con- or breaking down every single uh, episode of the series thus far. We've been commenting every time and saying, "Oh, this is the best one yet. This has been the best one yet." I don't exaggerate when I say this, 
Chapter 16, The Rescue, mm-hmm. has carved its niche in the upper echelon of Star Wars mythology. This this created waves on the internet. And I'm talking outside of the, the usual, you know, Star Wars fans or fans of the show or even pop culture fans. This generated waves that I don't think I've really seen or felt since the first trailer, teaser trailer for Force Awakens way back when. Yeah. That, like... You know, it was that one. It dropped on a on a November dead, like early November day of like 2014, 2013, whatever the hell it was. That just like it it kind of rippled outside of just you know the Star Wars fans, the casual Star Wars fans, and then like the pop culture fans who like to watch the show. It just rippled out so much further than anything I've seen in quite a while. Absolutely, and rightfully so because once we start going into the spoilers about this. You can obviously see why, mm-hmm. because this has been the buildup from the entire season of the Mandalorian versus Moff Gideon. Yep, that we have seen that Baby Yoda, who has now been known as Grogu, mm-hmm. has been the prized possession of the fate of the galaxy, as it seems. Yep, and we should note if you don't want to call it uh, Grogu, that's fine. Uh, uh, John Favreau did an interview with uh, ABC's Good Morning America today as we record. Uh, everyone on the crew still calls him Baby Yoda. Well, you're going to call him Baby Yoda. I'm so sorry. He, so if he's, he's even even John Favreau, executive producer and creator of the show, is giving you free license to call him Baby Yoda. Yeah, because like I said, he is the prized possession of the fate of the universe because mm-hmm. everybody wants him because if you have him in your possession, mm-hmm. chances are you're going to be able to take over the fate of the galaxy. Quite possibly, yeah. And we've seen that everybody has gone to great lengths to acquire him, but the Mandalorian is trying to save him to get him back to his own species mm-hmm. and to get him training about his powers because he doesn't know what he possesses. No. He does. He has rounded up a motley crew, if you will, of fan favorites. It's a great crew. It's a great crew as he's gone through, headed by the one and only king of this, mm-hmm. Boba Fett. Yup. Who has came back and proven to everybody why he is the baddest MF in the entire galaxy. I mean, he was, but he was there for like a cup of tea, and then he left. He was there for a cup of tea, but he has done more, thanks to Robert Rodriguez's direction, Mm -hmm. than I think anybody has ever, like, fathomed what he could do. Could be. But, obviously, Mando has rounded up Boba Fett, Fennec, Mm -hmm. Cara Dune. Yep. And they're still grabbing some more members to join the Mandalorian Corps to make that final mission to go get Grogu back out of the clutches of Moff Gideon, who has taken him possession over the past couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Mando has definitely had this, you know, resurgence, this renaissance, this conscious development. Yeah. That he feels that he needs to go save Baby Yoda, as he, as rightfully so. Mm-hmm. As we where we left off last episode, he gave that speech that he said, I'm coming for you, Moff. Mm-hmm. Be ready. And it was very similar to what Moff told him way back when in oh, season yeah. one. Yep. So now we have jumped into the final battle mm-hmm. where we see that Slave One yep. is taking uh, an Imperial shuttle. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's just Imperial shuttle. It's going someplace. Uh, some officers or what have you are taking uh, Dr. Pershing someplace. We're not. It's irrelevant. They don't say where. It doesn't really matter. But they, they disable the ship. Uh, and because they know that he knows where the kid is because he's intimately familiar. He's, you know, deeply involved with everything going on with the kid, as we've seen from season one. So basically they, they point a gun to a and go, tell us where the fuck he is. Yeah. They're not playing around. No. And especially the one idiot soldier. Oh my God. Has to poke Cara Dune. Yeah. Why would you even bring yeah. up Alderaan? Why? Yeah, I, as soon as he said, "Oh, you're from Alderaan," I'm like, "Oh, this is a mistake." Yeah, like, oh, this. I, and, and but I did love the connection though. 
as as shitty as it was and kind of twisting the knife where it didn't need to be twisted. I love connections like that mm-hmm. where where he goes, I was on the Death Star. I saw your planet blow up. I I got to say shitty person, shitty what he did, but I love the connection. Oh, absolutely. The the deep dive easter eggs they've done this entire season. Mm-hmm. I mean from debuting Osoka mm-hmm. to having Bo-Katan and yeah. and everything that is involving Operation Cinder. Even. Yeah. Like, you, you see all these little Easter eggs throughout the series. This is what really connects with the Star Wars fan base. Mm-hmm. And for somebody that's getting into it, yeah. you have that much more deep appreciation for oh, it. Yeah. Because once you start going through these backstories, yeah. you're like, oh, 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 this puts it together. Mm-hmm. But obviously seeing Cara Dune getting provoked. Yeah. She does what normally anybody would do. Yeah. Shoots the guy. Dr. Parrish uh, is... Basically saying, okay, I'm at your mercy. I'm going to do whatever you want. Yeah, he's he's always kind of been like a yellow belly, you know, yeah. he's an older term type where it's like he tries to act tough and he tries to do what he thinks is right, but point a gun or any any sort of weapon in his face and he's going to cower. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, the, the yellow belly referring to being cowardly. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's kind of an older term, but yeah, yeah. that's what it is. Uh, so, as, obviously, that being said, they get the coordinates of where to get Moff Gideon, mm-hmm. but... Mando decides that he needs to get more help. Yeah, they can never have too much help. No, and who does he wind up going to get? Yeah, so he uh, ends up traveling and in, in tracking down, because I don't really say, uh, gets the help of Bo-Katan and Casca Reeves, uh, of course, played by the one Katie Sackoff, uh, and then uh, Sasha Banks, uh, or excuse me, Mercedes uh, Var- Varnado, uh, as she's known in real life, yeah. which was awesome to see those two again, because I, I know she, uh, Sasha Banks, as we know her, uh, did a bunch of interviews after her initial episode aired, and they were asking, oh, are we going to see her again? Are we going to see her again? Are we going to see her again? And she was very coy. She was very nice. She was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe. You know, well, hopefully, hopefully I make an appearance again someday down the road. Yeah, obviously playing up to the Star Wars no spoiler talk, mm-hmm. which obviously Sasha Keeping it kayfabe. Stuff. Yeah, as she should do. But you do see that they wind up getting Bo-Katan involved, uh, obviously with a little somewhat fight between them and Boba. Yeah. Because obviously... Oh, that was amazing. It, it was amazing. It was short. Yeah. But it did what it needed to do. Yeah, because Cosca Reeves basically doesn't recognize Boba, mm-hmm. which I was like, oh boy, this is going to be a mistake. Uh, and goes, oh, you're not Mandalorian. And starts a fight with him. I'm like, girl, I realize he's older. He's, I think he's maybe somewhere in his 50s or 60s, but... You don't want to pick this fight. No, you definitely don't. But they wind up coming to a somewhat truce, mm-hmm. and the deal is struck that if bo helps them, yep. she can have the Darksaber. Uh-huh. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. Yes, which Mando is just saying, you help me go get Grogu back, take whatever you want, I don't mm-hmm. care. So obviously they get the crew together, and they come up with the plan about crashing into Moff Gideon's starship, mm-hmm. which is a very gutsy move. Yeah. But it winds up working because where Slave One runs the decoy, this is where they sneak on board. Yep. And I thought it was very interesting how they played this out because Moff Gideon definitely knew what they were up to. Mm -hmm. Like, he had an idea that something was going on, and obviously he made enough adjustments to be ready to take him out of the past. Yeah. Because at this point, Mando and company have the blueprint to the starship, thanks to Dr. Parrish. Mm-hmm. And once they do, they know, okay, where the dark, uh, the dark stormtroopers are. The dark troopers, the yeah. The dark troopers. And they also know where Moff Gideon is. They have an idea of where the blueprints are. So mm-hmm. this should be a quick one in, one out. Everybody gets in, yeah. everybody gets out alive. I thought it was gonna, the plane was going to get blown up a lot sooner than it was because when they were flying towards the, the starship, and I don't, I don't think it was Gideon making the call. I think it was like a subordinate you know, type of deal where he was over the, the Imperial person's shoulder. 
And he just had this look on his face where he was like, you know, it, it almost reminded me of very much of Return of the Jedi, where it's like, you know, they're flying up to Endor and they give the old code and they're like, oh, and, and uh, Vader comes up. He goes, oh, where is that shuttle heading? And he goes, oh, it was supposed to be I was about to clear him. And I'm thinking this I'm getting vibes of this. Like, I feel like he knows what's going on. Yeah, he definitely did. And obviously it plays up to what, I mean, Giancarlo Esposito has been mm-hmm. doing with him the entire season. He has that kind of Thrawn vibe. Yeah. Which I know we've we've heard Thrawn's name get mentioned throughout the show. Yep. But this is where he kind of said, all right, now I can see where he's thinking because he's always been a step ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And obviously he was thinking ahead on this point too. Because oh, my God, yeah. once the Mandalorian Corps goes on the ship, they're obviously working their way through easy stormtroopers like nothing. Mm-hmm. Mando's job, though, is to go stop the dark troopers from – coming out of their cryogenic chambers. Not a bad idea. No, it definitely isn't. But one gets away. Yeah. And you have the standoff. So during that brief fight, mm-hmm. you understand the gravity of the situation with the Dark Troopers. So you also get a real taste of how strong Beskar is. Yes, because Mando is getting his ass kicked. Yeah. Through this entire I was, battle. I was getting reminded a bit of when uh, Iron Man fought Hulk in Age of Ultron, and it was uh, he brought in the Hulkbuster mm-hmm. armor, and he just started pounding the crap out of the Hulk with the Hulkbuster armor. I'm like, I'm getting kind of similar vibes, and holy shit, Beskar's really strong. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because you just see the headshots he was taking. Yeah. And it was just almost frightening to a sense of like a horror movie. Yeah. That, that was the kind of vibe that the Dark Trooper was giving off. But Mando does wind up getting the upper hand using the staff mm-hmm. that he acquired mm-hmm. during the Ahsoka episode to stab the Dark Trooper through the throat yep. and obviously making the robot short circuit. Mm-hmm. And then he hits the space latch to shoot everybody out into orbit. Grab a great moment. Which was a, per- was a perfect yeah. moment because yeah. Mando has kind of had this, you know, almost lucky streak of yeah. getting out of situations he shouldn't. Yeah, and, and you could see how... Just with a few, that how tough they were and how much of a pain in the ass it was going to be to beat them. Mm-hmm. That it, it made sense. And after a point, you're like, all right, he's going to have to get really creative to to beat them just because, in a, you know, he doesn't have the weapons. I, he even threw, he used his uh, wrist flamethrower or whatever it was on him, and that obviously didn't matter. So I was like, all right, he's going to have to get really creative, and I don't know how he's going to do this because clearly, you know, his punches and his attacks don't matter. I doubt if he had a lightsaber, they'd even care. No, he definitely wouldn't. But obviously, he's being the decoy during this as he's making his way to find Grogu. And you see Bo-Katan leading the charge with Cara Dune, mm-hmm. Fennec, and Koska to the bridge of the ship. Yep. However, when they get there, mm-hmm. who do they find? Uh, well, the, who do they not find? And that's one Moff Gideon. Exactly. Because they come to an empty bridge, Moff Gideon knows what they're up to mm-hmm. and winds up going to Grogu's chamber. Yep. So when the Mandalorian opens up the door... Right there, you see Gideon with the dark saber right over Grogu's head. Yeah, and and while it's smart on his part, and he's definitely you know like you said Thrawn like where he's thinking four steps ahead. They're also a little bit predictable. I feel like mm. you know because he knows they're coming. You know, obviously he he figured out or deduced that uh, this shuttle was them. So he, he I think it's pretty predictable. You know that okay. Mandalorian's gonna come for the kid. They're gonna split off for the for the bridge. I gotta go get the kid because that's my bargaining chip. Yeah. So obviously they wind up having a great battle after mm-hmm. the, the double cross happens by Gideon because he knew what was gonna happen. Yeah. Obviously, he was saying, "Oh, you can take the the child. I have the blood from him," which mm-hmm. I thought is gonna be a footnote for what happens in the future. I think it absolutely is, especially because you think back a couple episodes where we saw that thing. I don't even know what the hell you call it that was floating in the background of the Imperial uh, base or mm. the research the research thing where like where we saw the recorded uh, message from Doctor Pershing. 
yeah. where they're talking about the blood. And the, and the, I, I don't think we've seen the last of what that was or what they're doing with it. No, because I think the what makes Rogu stand out is there's something special about him. Mm-hmm. The fact they've been trying to experiment on him since yeah. episode one yeah. means there's something in his blood that the uh, dark side thinks mm-hmm. that they can do, the Empire rather, thinks they can do with it. Yeah. So obviously this is going to be a, a footnote for next season when that comes about. Could be. But you do have the double cross, though, because, like I say, Gideon says, you know, I've taken what I can. You can escape here. But obviously he tries using the Darksaber on the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. They do have a great fight. Yeah. But then the Mandalorian gets the upper hand. But this is where I want to ask Pat because mm-hmm. I haven't hit up on social media about this. About uh-huh. Gideon loses the battle. Mm-hmm. He drops the sword. So thus Mandalorian is now uh, takes the Darksaber. Yep. Did you think Gideon threw the fight? Yes. Hundred percent. I th- I agree. I, I think he knew because he's got eyes and ears everywhere. Uh, they have they have much in the Empire way. You think back to the original film where uh, Han and uh, or not Han Luke and uh, Ben and the droids are going to meet up with Han and Docking Bay ninety four uh, and that alien spy looking thing tells the Empire who they are. Mm-hmm. You know he's got eyes everywhere. He knows he's got to know or figure. You know who's going to be coming for him because as much noise as Bo-Katan and, and her crew have been making, he know, he's he got to know who she is, and he's got to know she's gunning for him. I mean, he even says her name at one point. Well, he, he, You know, so so I got to figure, yeah, 100%. He, he kept it going long enough to kind of, like, string him along and go, yeah, no, I'm totally fighting you, only to go, all right, you know, this game's gone on long enough, time for me to throw this. Yeah, it was such an interesting play. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Gideon knew what we're going to be talking about just now, mm-hmm. or next rather, because once he relinquishes the dark saber, mm-hmm. Mandalorian brings Gideon to the bridge where you see Bo-Katan, Fennec, Koska, and, and Kara waiting, and you just see Bo-Katan going, what did you do? Yeah. And Gideon says, he beat me in combat for the sw- the saber. Uh huh. He's now the rightful owner. Now yep. I did not yep. know about this. Yeah, that, I forgot how- about it. Okay. I to- I totally forgot about it because there was a I believe a moment in Rebels where that did play a factor. Yeah, and I had no idea about this, but it's so brilliant about how he did it because Gideon mm-hmm. knew. Yeah, he knew yeah. that this would cause a problem between them because well, yeah, well, and that makes sense because he's well versed. He knows a lot, and and the Mandalorian race being very warrior like and honor and, and tradition and this and that, you know, you you can't just give somebody a weapon. And be like, oh hey, here, you know, I took this off of some person. You take it, and if it, and it, and especially as much as it means to them, because if you go back and you watch the Clone Wars episodes where it features, you know, it's thousands of years old that it was made by a Mandalorian Jedi, you know, who eventually fought in some wars and it was held in the Jedi temple until it got broken out, you know, so it means a lot mm. to them and in, in, in that race, you know, so he absolutely knew what he was doing and, and it makes sense that, and I think if, if uh, Pedro Pascal's character knew what the implication was, he wouldn't have done it, but that therein goes to, He's Mandalorian, but he's kind of like this different sector, different portion of you know of the man, of the Mandalorian race, where he doesn't really know that. Yeah, exactly. So he's just kind of stumbling into these situations, mm-hmm. even though Bo-Katan is ready to explode. I mean, Katie Sackhoff playing her has just been absolutely impressive. I yeah. can't wait to see where she's going to go with this arc because this has just been her mission since we've seen her introduced to the show. Mm-hmm. So now that she doesn't have 
her prized possession. Mm-hmm. Where is this going to play moving forward? We don't even have time, though, to really examine these implications. Nope. Because what happens now, Pat? Uh, well, so the Dark Troopers you thought were dead, LOL, JK, they're not. Uh, they Because if you remember, they have the rockets at the, on the bottom of their feet, much like an Iron Man suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they reorient themselves and go, oh, hey, there's a ship. Let us. Why don't we just fly back in here? Because there's not actual people in, in, inside us. We're just uh, machines. We're robots. So we can breathe in space. Yes. And Moff Gideon gives one of the most chilling mm-hmm. dialogue uh-huh. during this. Uh-huh. I mean, like we say, G- Giancarlo Esposito is just incredible in this role. And he's just basically talking through so calm and saying, you know you have no chance to win. Mm-hmm. These soldiers are going to come bust through your door. Yep. You have impressive firearms, but they're only going to last you so long. Mm-hmm. Your effort is valiant, but they're going to kill everybody in this room mm-hmm. except me and the child. Yep. And he's so, like dead stone cold about this uh-huh. oh my like i sat there and you could just tell the gravity of the situation even in the body language like we keep talking about pedro pascal does not take off the helmet ever no. unless it's a rare situation mm-hmm. you can even just tell by his body language he has that oh shit moment yeah of he realizes he's right yeah he understands it's going on you see cara dune trying not to break gina carano is sitting there trying not to say Okay, I know we're going to die here. Well, so she's she's running through probably every scenario she could imagine in her head of how to get out of there, just because that's you know that's her style. Yeah, and you see during this point too that Koska and Bo-Katan put their helmets back on. They know shit's about to go down. Yeah, everybody knows something's going down. Meanwhile, Moff Gideon is hiding a uh, phaser mm-hmm. underneath his cloak. Yep, which is just another Subtle. villain move. Yep. But during this time, you're seeing the door is getting pounded. The tension is building. You have that horror movie moment. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you see flying outside the building. Mm-hmm. What, Pat? An X-Wing. And at first thing, thought you might think, oh, it's Ahsoka. Ahsoka's coming to help him out. Because Ahsoka, like you know, like we know, uh, is friends with uh, Bo-Katan. You know, Bo-Katan sent the Mandalorian and the child to Ahsoka. So one could only assume that, you know, she might hear some some news or some rumors or something, or maybe even baby Yoda called out to her, you know, what have you, but it's not, no, it's not. You just see a figure get out. And then all of a sudden you see a lightsaber light up. I didn't even have to see the lightsaber. And I started throwing things. I saw the outfit and I saw from, because they didn't show the face for a while. You just saw behind the character. And I saw what that character was wearing. And I legitimately started throwing things up in the air. Yeah. The lightsaber turned green. Uh-huh. And there was just remnants of Rogue One. Uh-huh. Then I and know people have done the comparison videos, and it's accurate. Yeah, shout out to our guy JVD over at Villains Demand. Uh, he was sharing this on Twitter today and saying which one was better. And, I mean, I gave my vote. I still think Vader was better. But this one was ranking up there because of just the complete ass-whooping. Mm-hmm that this person was doing on the dark troopers yeah was running through them uh-huh. like there was no stopping this was a luke we've not seen you know ever even in his battle in the last jedi or even in uh, return of the jedi we didn't see it. you know it's kind of like with vader we never really got to see vader at his apex mm-hmm. at his absolute best so to speak but we got to see that with rogue one you know obviously return of the jedi luke was still kind of learning he didn't have a full you know, lightsaber skills, I guess you could say. 
and then you know in in last jedi he wasn't really looking to win a lightsaber duel he was just looking he was just stalling for time you know he knew what was going on so this was the first time you know we've got to see on screen and not in like a video game luke at his absolute best yeah as pat is giving her away the person in the cloak is the one and only luke goddamn skywalker yes whole i legit like the entire time like i said i i recognized who it was the minute i saw the clothes and I was stuck at home because I still had four feet of snow on my street. Uh, and I'm sitting there and I'm going the entire time I'm going. And it was a good thing everyone was up at my house at this point. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And my dad was in who was in the other room goes, what? And I go, you got to come here. I was like, you got to see this. And he just comes in and he sees it. And he's like, oh, my. Yeah, because you just see this figure with a hood over him. Absolutely just annihilating all the dark troopers. Mm-hmm. Once he gets to the door, the Mandalorian senses that he is a friend. I'll say he just killed all the dark troopers and saved their lives. So he's like, open the door. And I forget who it was. It might have been Cara Dune who was like, fucking what? Yeah. But you see Grogu put his hand on the screen yeah. because they can watch the, the video monitor. Yep. And you sense what it is. And then all of a sudden you see the person come in and reveal their hood. And it's a CGI'd. Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. That it was Mark Hamill. It was not some other actor. You know, about the same size, about the same height as uh, Luke. But it was actually Mark Hamill uh, wearing the technology or, or whatever they needed to do to de-age him. You know, yeah. I, I thought it might have been like that because in Rogue One, if you've seen the end of Rogue One, uh, Princess Leia shows up and it's a young Princess Leia and it's you know, but it's not Carrie Fisher because I think by that point she might have died. Died. I can't remember. Yeah. Um. But it's not Carrie Fisher's body in that. It's another actress's, and they took some. Uh, they took the word "hope" out of the dialogue from A New Hope and put it in there. And I was sitting there, and I didn't know this until uh, you know uh, John Favreau did the interview on Good Morning America this morning. That, but like you said, that was actually Mark Hamill, yeah. and I remember watching it and going, thinking it was like the the Princess Leia situation. I'm like, and I'm listening to the voice. I'm like, wow, they got really some, somebody really close to sound like Luke. No, it was actually Mark Hamill. See, I was hoping it was going to be Sebastian Stan. I Yeah, I, I thought it would be, too. If they ever brought him in to do anything, I thought it might have been Sebastian Stan, too. Yeah, I thought it was going to be him because I, I'm not going to knock the CGI too much. Like, I wasn't blown away by it mm-hmm. because the whole de-aging thing is it's weird to me. Yeah. Like, I, I get it, but I'm not a fan of it. Mm-hmm. But I understand why they did it in this. It looks cool. And it, looks, it looks cool and it looks awesome, but... It's it's different than the de aging you saw with Sam Jackson in Captain Marvel. Right. You know it it's good. It looks okay for right now. It's got some. It's it needs some work. It it looks kind of like if if you ever go back and watch a movie that's got some CGI in like the late nineties. Mm. It doesn't look as good as CGI does today. It, yeah. It's got potential. It, it just needs some work. It looked like video game pixel. Yeah, a little like, bit. Like I yeah I, I, yeah. Like I was sitting there like okay, the big moments here. But you do see Mark Hamill just give the dialogue of saying, I've come for the child, mm-hmm. and I will protect him with my life. And you can see that the Mandalorian is like, well, here you go. And he goes, no, he wants your permission before he can come with And him. i got to give a shout-out to the composer, the guy who's composed every episode for these two seasons, uh, Ludwig, and I'm going to butcher this last name, so I apologize, uh, Goranson. He composed his goddamn ass off with this episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, especially this end sequence. Yeah, because the whole end sequence where the Mandalorian takes his helmet off Mm -hmm. and shows his face to Grogu. Grogu puts his hand on him. Ripped my heart out, don't you? It was all the feels, as the kids say. Uh Uh-huh. And you see the Mandalorian. And then it got better. And then, oh, yeah, because 
you see the Mandalorian uh, in the parting shot is seeing Grogu go with Luke. He does get an appearance by R2-D2. That was incredible. Oh, my God. If there was one thing I didn't know I needed in my life, it was Grogu to meet R2. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens there. Mm-hmm. But that's how that episode ends. So everybody's still on the bridge. Yep. The Mandalorian has completed his mission. For now. For now. And then it fades to black and you get your credits. Mm-hmm. And then the moment happens. Thou didn't see this comment. Where this did not get ruined for me. No. But I have to give a little, just quick story with the whole Luke thing. Yeah. I'm going to make a thing. If you are uh, listening to my voice here. There's a 72-hour window I'm now enforcing for spoilers. Mm-hmm. That if we don't give you fair warning, we're not going to post, post spoilers anywhere on our social media. This episode had somebody post Luke Skywalker as their post mm-hmm. in exclamation points. And knowing who, that they are Star Wars fans, it tipped off what this was. Yeah, and, and normally people are good about this, you know, unless you really go looking, specifically with Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, usually people are good about this, but I, I, in this instance, because I, I started the episode cause I thought I was going to get to work that day. I didn't, uh, I started the episode at a little after six o'clock in the morning on Friday, uh, finished the episode about six 45, whatever it was, went on to Twitter, went to the trends and it was there. Yeah. So the, this was, you're right. You know, there should be a 72 hour window with spoilers and normally, unless you really go looking, you know, you'll, you'll have to, it'll be hard to find. Yeah, but in, uh, this was this to me was an anomaly that there was no way this was going to keep quiet. I, I I knew it wasn't, and obviously because I had to go shovel my way out, I didn't did not have time to do it, and, and with work and such. So for me, I was trying to dodge this like the plague, mm-hmm. and obviously I had to answer something for the podcast on my page. So thus I clicked to it, and when Facebook refreshed and went to newsfeed, right there mm-hmm. as the credits were starting for the show. So I was so mad, and I did get an apology for it too. So I'm just gonna make it from here on out. Seventy two hour window. Before any spoilers, folks, let's, right. let's try to do, sh- spread the word of that. Let's make that go viral. But this spoiler did not get ruined for me. No. Pad, do you want to lead into it? So we get through the credits, we get to the end, and we get the Marvel MCU post-credit scene where you know it, it, it kind of fades up, and you're on a you see two suns, and instantly I think every Star Wars fan has an idea where that is, and then it kind of pans down into the left, and you see a certain palace that you might be familiar with. That's Jabba's palace, and I'm thinking, what the hell are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Uh, you go into the palace, and it, they're not as full or as party full, I guess you could say, as, as it was in Jabba's days. Uh, but there's still some people hanging out. There's still some music going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we find out that one goddamn Bib Fortuna, uh, who, if the name doesn't sound familiar, he's the guy who uh, he makes an appearance in, I know, of uh, The Phantom Menace. But then he's also uh, the guy who meets Luke at the door in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, he's now taking things over, and I and I had to pause it for a minute and go, wait a minute, was he on the sail barge? Oh, no, he wasn't. Okay, cool. Uh, Bib Fortuna has taken over, I guess, things on uh, Tatooine. He's running things. Dude got fat like it's, he's in, in a pandemic and having to quarantine. Yeah. I saw that <laughs> meme. That was funny. Uh, and he's running things, and in comes Fennec, uh, Fennec Shan, you know, starts shooting the place up. People running. She stands on a goddamn Rancor trap pit again. I'm thinking, oh, God, they didn't get another one, did they? Uh, they didn't. At least not that we know of. Uh, comes in there, frees one of the, the Twi'lek slaves. And who comes walking down the stairs, Ken? The king. Boba freaking fat. Uh-huh. Uh, they have a little back and forth in Hutties. Oh, Boba, I, I thought you were dead, you know, but I'd heard some rumors. It's good to see you again. He shoots him dead. 
pulls the carcass off the throne, and I got to admit, this was one of the more badass shots How I've ever seen. How freaking badass was this? That was a badass shot. You just see the kind of looking up a little bit camera shot, Boba taking the throne, sitting there, Fennec kind of leaning back, sitting there on the side, leans over, grabs some alcohol, starts taking a swig, and you just fades to black, and then you see the, the uh, title, whatever you call it. The uh, Book of Boba Fett. Book of Boba Fett, coming 2021. Let's freaking go. I marked out like a madman. I lost my stuff. I'm, I'm so glad nobody was videotaping that because I would have got so embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I don't care. The fact we're actually getting the Boba Fett show. I'd heard some rumors of this. I heard rumors too. I mean, obviously, there's so many rumors running around. And yeah. obviously, we, we talked a lot in length about Disney Investor Day mm-hmm. and 10 projects coming out. Mm-hmm. And this one, as was confirmed this morning as we were recording on Good Morning America by John Favreau himself. Yep. This is the 11th show. Mm-hmm. So this is not going to be taking over the Mandalorian. Yeah. It's going to be fil- it's it's filming a, it, right now. I say, which is, I, I'd heard about it, and I somebody I follow on Twitter had posted uh, not long after the Disney Investor Day that he thought it was interesting that they didn't announce the book of the, the Boba Fett show. He, he goes, I'm surprised uh, they didn't announce the Boba Fett show since it's filming right now. And that was kind of the first I'd heard of it. And I started doing some digging around. And the more and more I saw, the more and more I'm like, okay, this sounds like it's an actual thing. So, but And, and uh, John Favreau uh, on Good Morning America today, I highly recommend you check out the interview. It's quick. It's about six and a half minutes or so. Yeah, but it's very informative, though. Uh, you know, you can find it on YouTube uh, if you just search Good Morning America. It's probably going to be the top thing on there for a couple of days. Uh, he did say that, you know, it's it's they're filming it right now. It is going to be coming December 2021. Uh, this was what Kathleen Kennedy referred to during the uh, Disney Investor Day as the next chapter. Everyone, including ourselves, figured that was season three of Mandalorian. Uh, no, it is this. Uh, we do. I do know and I can say that, uh, th- like I said, this isn't season three of the Mandalorian. This is its own thing. It's a spinoff show uh, starring Tamora Morrison. Uh, it is being produced by John Favreau, Dave Filoni and Robert Rodriguez. Hell fucking yeah! So there's a there, so there's a there's a good chance we may get Machete in uh, Star Wars. Just saying that there's a chance there's a chance of that. Uh, they didn't say when, although I thought the uh, Favreau slipping up and saying Christmas might have been a little bit of a Freudian slip there. Uh, well, they did say at the end um, during the credit scene it was December 2021. Right, but he, but Favreau specifically said Christmas uh, coming oh, cri- Christmas. Christmas. He he slipped up and and. and didn't fully say he goes coming in Christmas, uh, December 2020. I'm like, oh, did you slip and give the release date early? Uh, but no, so that's going. I have read today that uh, once Book uh, book of Boba Fett is done filming, they're going to start shooting season three of Mandalorian. So I would imagine that maybe a month or two, depending on what the other release schedule is for the other stuff they have coming, uh, you'll get season three of Mandalorian. It's going to be very interesting. And one thing that we can confirm, too, Pedro Pascal is coming back yep. as a Mandalorian. There were some rumors going around he was leaving. Yeah. I, I did not put any stock into that. I'm sorry. The show is too big of a hit. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you could, in theory, replace him because he wears a helmet. Sure. But it's just not the same. No. And he's obviously been such a focal point of the show. He's been the MVP of this season. Obviously, with his work, Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon has been incredible. Gina Carano returning mm-hmm. as Cara Dune has been impressive. Ming-Na Wen is Fennec Shand, who is now going to be in the part of the spinoff show with Tamora yeah. Morrison doing the damn thing as Boba Fett, which, yeah. I mean, 
I've already marked up enough. I'm dropping F-bombs. I don't care. Tomorrow Morrison very likely could be a very busy dude the next couple of years because he's obviously playing Boba Fett mm-hmm. uh, in the Book of Boba Fett series. We know that the Ahsoka series is coming, and, and we do know that uh, some of the clone commanders, you know, uh, Rex and, and some of the other ones are still around from Rebels. Uh, and we do know, and, and Lucasfilm has confirmed, that uh, an uh, there there was a background character in a shot of Return of the Jedi that a lot of people for were like, oh, is that, is that Rex? Is that Commander Rex? They've said it is Rex or uh, clone uh, Captain Rex does make it from through Order 66, through the uh, dark times, I guess you could say, through the uh, galactic civil war between the Empire and the Rebels, and he does fight at the Battle of Endor. So it's entirely possible Tamar Morrison could be playing uh, Rex in the Ahsoka show. So Tamar Morrison's going to be a very busy dude. Give it to me. I'm here for it. Obviously, he's been the you know, show stealer, I guess I would say yeah. for the season. Cause we all, I mean, we all knew Bobo was coming at some point. Oh, you had to figure. Yeah. But how he's been portrayed has definitely given him new life mm-hmm. for everybody that thought he was just a flash in the pan for whatever reason. Robert Rodriguez being involved in the show too. Yeah. I don't care if those episodes are 15 minutes long. They're going to be 10 minutes of action and five of talking. Pretty much. Injected in me. I'm here for this. And we might get uh, machete looking uh, lightsabers. I don't get – bring it on. Yeah. There's going to be some wild-ass action scenes. I am going to be yeah. locked and loaded to Disney Plus for this. I can't wait. Oh, yeah. And, and we should also note that John Favreau in the in the interview with GMA did say that the reason this wasn't announced at the Disney Investor Day was he asked uh, Kathleen Kennedy and Disney to hold on to it. That, you know, given where this was going to get dropped or, I guess, announced at the end of the show, at, you know, after the credits rolled, he didn't want to give up the ending or kind of potentially spoil the ending a little bit. So he's like, can we just hold on to this, you know, till the episode ends? And they're like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Smart move, too. Yeah. You know my stance about announcing spinoff shows before a season is wrapped. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you, Walking Dead, CW Arrowverse. Yeah. Cough, cough. Yeah. So this was a smart play. This definitely had me hyped up. I can't wait to see where this goes. But for, me, for everything the season two has done, Pat, I mean, mm-hmm. how do you describe it in just a, a closing segment here? It has far exceeded any expectations I, I had. I had obviously very high expectations given how great season one was. But if you were to go back in time to when season one ended and say, in a calendar year, give or take, you're going to have Boba Fett on the show, Ahsoka, Bo-Katan, and Luke fucking Skywalker on the show, I would have said, you're out of your mind. I said, yeah. I would have thought there's going to be no way they go near those characters. They mean too much. It's, you know, this, that, and the other. But they did. I'm glad they did. They handled it beautifully. And wonderfully, and I cannot wait to see where they go from here. Because if they if they took the expectations from season one and they beat them by a long shot, they they have every right to do that again with season three. This entire season has been a love letter to the fans. Mm-hmm. That if you have been somebody that has gotten yourself intertwined with the canon mm-hmm. of Star Wars Rebels, yeah, and some of the lesser known characters, this has been your season. Mm-hmm. For somebody that's not familiar with some of the characters, this is a great introduction. Yeah. The casting they've done for these characters, Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan has been great. Mm-hmm. Sasha Banks, a.k.a. Mercedes Veron mm-hmm. as Koska, has been great too. And she's going to have a big future with that show, whatever, yeah. wherever she winds up going yeah. on. because. I'm not down. They wind up in that New Republic show. Could be. I that's my guess. Where they... I I think they might end up in uh, the Book of Boba Fett show because I I get the feeling that as many times as they talked about liberating Mandalore and, and freeing Mandalore, we might see that happen with the Book of Boba Fett. See, I, I'm kind of like fifty fifty about it because of where it's going to go for next season because mm-hmm. I think it's going to be 
Bo-Katan versus the Mandalorian when they Could come be. back. Because obviously be. the Darksaber is the big prize there. Could be. But for everybody they've introduced, and, and, and I say no bigger debut, I think, even with Boba Fett returning than Ahsoka Tano played by Rosario Dawson has been uh-huh. perfect casting. Uh-huh. I mean, where can you go from here? I mean, Mark Hamill as returning as Luke Skywalker. And kudos to the crew for keeping that under wraps. Yeah. You know, because that's another thing Favreau mentioned in the interview was, you know, all their casting was getting spoiled. And that was the one that he hoped didn't happen. And it didn't. And, no. I, and I think it's because they followed this kind of the same track uh, method with Grogu, that there was no merchandise, no this, no that. So there was no way for to leak it out because... Why do you need mer- to make new merchandise for something that they're already making merchandise of? Yeah, you, you, they're already making merchandise and in, in figures and what have you of Luke in that outfit. So there's not exactly like something new. No, they definitely don't need to tip the hat. And obviously, no. how they weave this series and and where it's now spawning into spinoff shows, mm-hmm. and you now have a Mandalorian universe. Like it's wild to think we're just kind of the throwaway idea that John Favreau had about doing a Mandalorian show. And we all knew it wasn't going to be Boba Fett, but from the minute they introduced a baby Yoda, Uh the fan base got ignited. Pop culture got involved. We haven't seen this happen so long. And for this season to carry that baton and still go down the road that it is, and you're seeing old faces get reintroduced, you're seeing new characters that are now going to be entwined in future shows. I mean, the Mandalorian has raised the stakes on what you should be doing on a streaming service. I'm sorry, it's just fact. Yeah. And where they're going to go for next season is anybody's guess. Are we going to see more familiar faces up here? Could be. Is it possible we see Han Solo? Not Harrison Ford, but the gentleman who played him in the Solo movie. Oh, yeah, because he is on contract for like three three total movies or something like that. Right. Could be. Is it out of the realm of thought to see him return? No, you could. I mean, is it possible for Darth Maul? I'll throw that karma out in the world. Uh, No, because he's dead by that point. Okay. I see. That's the one thing I'm not sure. But could we see him maybe in a you know flashback sequence? Yeah, you could. I'll be down for that. I'm just trying to think who else you could add to the season that season two hasn't already touched upon. Yeah. Because to carry the magic that they've done, Dave Filoni and John Favreau have done an amazing job with the uh-huh. show, and with everybody involved that has come in to do episodes from Bryce Dallas Howard uh-huh. to Robert Rodriguez to Peyton Reed, they have taken so much time to show that you can do stories outside of a film mm-hmm. and really present it to a mainstream audience and reignite a fan base that had mixed feelings at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah. Let's be honest about yeah, that. Yeah, So overall, it's a must-watch episode. It's a must-watch season. There's only one hiccup episode, you can say. Sure. And that was the... It was like the second one. Or the second one when they're yeah. on the frozen planet. Yeah. Other than that, yeah. it's been... Moment after moment after moment uh-huh. that keeps you entwined from start to finish. You cannot have a higher possible recommendation from the ODPH panel about no. this. So get watching The Mandalorian. Rewatch it if you need to, and let us have that conversation. Shall we hit us up on that social media accounts at OD Parlay Parla Hour on Twitter and at OchoDuroParlayHour.com for Facebook, on Instagram, wherever we need to talk about it. Let's talk Mandalorian, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Well, hello there. I'm Brian Wayne, host of the Cheers to Comics podcast, and I'm here to bring you the ultimate comic book podcast for readers and lovers and collectors of all levels. Whether you're trying to get caught up on last week's books or you're just looking to check out the latest interview with the latest creator, this is the podcast for you. So if you're looking for a comic book show that doesn't stray away from the topic and you're looking to get an insight from a 
true fan and lover of this industry, then tune into the Cheers to Comics podcast three times a week as I, Brian Wayne, raise a glass to this wonderful, wonderful industry that is comics. Cheers. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! back for the next segment here on the ODPH podcast and we're finally here Pat mm-hmm. after much delays Wonder Woman 84 yes is hitting HBO Max and theaters where they are open mm-hmm. this uh Friday actually yeah with Christmas Day we have a little Christmas gift coming from Warner Brothers and DC Comics mm-hmm. so we are just kind of going to go over our expectations i mean it's been so long since we've had a new movie to review i know i'm excited so let's get into it, shall we? This is obviously the sequel to the wildly successful original from 2017, uh, directed by Patty Jenkins. Uh, Gail Godot playing Diana Prince in the in the title uh, role. In the title role, and obviously taking place much later down the road from the original time setting. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Diana Prince is now laying low as an anthropologist uh, in Washington D.C. Yep. And she's also being Wonder Woman, though, albeit uh, not really uh, out in the open. Shall say, say she also. I also get the feeling that she's not exactly happy about things. That it feels like kind of a wash, rinse, repeat kind of deal. And and we definitely get vibes of this uh, when she first showed up in Batman v Superman, I believe it was, mm-hmm. where you know she helped out the world and she saved the world uh, from uh, you know uh, got the God of War. I'm blanking on the Ares. Ares, thank you. You know, save the world from God of, uh, from the God of War Ares, and that the thing should be hunky dory. And then World War II happened, and then every you know all the other stuff throughout history that's happened. So she, it almost feels like she's disenfranchised a bit. That she's like, why should I continue to help you if it's just more of the same? Yeah, it's something that we don't know exactly why she's stepped away. Mm-hmm. That obviously in the first movie definitely played a part in taking down World War One. But she's been laying low ever since, mm-hmm. and we don't really know why. I mean, it's just kind of how she's just kind of faded away. I think, yeah. obviously, due to the loss of Steve uh, Trevor, played yep. by Chris Pine. Yep, she's just really kind of—I don't want to say lost her uh, desire to help humanity, but yeah. I think it's kind of played a. It's effect. taken a hit. It's taken a slight hit. So obviously, she's now still picked up the pieces, and in 1984, she's just kind of trying to live a—I don't want to say a normal life, but. As quiet as possible. As quiet as possible as one Amazonian prince can do, or yeah. princess can do, rather. Yeah. So, obviously, she does have a new friend at work, mm-hmm. uh, one Barbara Minerva, mm-hmm. played by Kristen Wiig. You might have heard of her. You might have heard her. And this is something that you're going to see their relationship transcend a lot of different ways. Because mm-hmm. we do know that uh, Wig is playing the villain Cheetah. Yep. Who has been Wonder Woman's primary antagonist? I think yeah. that's what the public would know about. Yeah, I would say that's the one I'm familiar with because my first introduction to Wonder Woman was when, on uh, reruns of Super Friends, mm-hmm. and that was the one who primarily showed up. You know, because they obviously you have Lex Luthor go off and face uh, Superman, Joker go off and face Batman, uh, Sinestro face off against Green Lantern, and so on and so forth. But when it came time for you know the Legion of Doom 
representative, I guess, to face Wonder Woman, it was usually Cheetah. Yeah, and obviously Cheetah has been around in the video games, such yeah, as Injustice. Yeah. Yep. So you definitely know, and she does rival Wonder Woman on the strength level, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it does play a great foil. Yeah. So the casting Cheetah in this movie definitely made sense. So I'm, sure. not, I'm not struggling with that. We also have a new villain in the movie as well. Maxwell Lord, played by the Mandalorian himself, Pedro Pascal. Dude's busy these days. He's very busy. He's winning December. I'll tell mm-hmm. you that right now. And if you don't know a lot about Maxwell Lord, he's kind of a very interesting character. Uh, he does have some history with Wonder Woman in the comics. And there is one very notable scene that, depending on the timeline, if you believe has happened or not, I, I don't see them reenacting in this film, but I would not doubt. Uh, it does play a little uh, ramifications for future tension down the road between uh, Wonder Woman and some of the other superheroes. Uh, but it makes sense if you read the story. I don't want to give it away, so you should definitely go check out DC Comics Unlimited there. And our DC Universe Infinite, should I say now. So it's going to be transcendent over and definitely catch up with some back issues. So, Pad, let me ask you this. Sure. I don't want to go too much into spoilers. We have seen the trailer. Mm-hmm. We do see a lot of fighting going on in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. We do see some fighting that it looks like it's happening over out of the country. And we do see Wonder Woman appearing in the Golden Eagle armor. Yep. What is your takeaways from this film? What are you expecting from this film? Uh, I'm not really sure what to expect with this film. Because a lot like with the first one, it threw me with the first one to be set in 1912, you know, or whatever it was with World War uh, One. You know, it, it threw me a little bit. So I was like, oh, that, you know, because I figured, all right, if it went back in time, because we'd heard rumblings at the top before the first trailer dropped for the original that it was going to be back before Batman v Superman. So my head immediately went, oh, World War Two. So, but World War One was an interesting choice. So, you know, so coming forward, you know, I'm kind of sit there trying to figure out, right, well, what's going on in 1984 that she might need to get brought in for, you know, so I'm not really sure what to expect from this one. It, it almost feels like, like, like we've said, she's kind of hiding in the background. She's, you know, occasionally being Wonder Woman, trying to stay in the shadows, but something pulls her out. So it'll be interesting to see what that thing is. It'll also be interesting to see if they can top the No Man's Land scene from uh, the first movie, because that movie, that scene is still incredible. Yeah, it's definitely going to be tough to top. I mean, we have seen a lot of the crazy action sequences happening. Sure. So I'm not saying it's completely out of the realm of thought. I will say, though, the lassoing the lightning. Yo, that's going to be nuts. That's going to be a little uh, wild to see happen. I, I know there's a lot of mixed reaction about that. Sure. But I it think, happens in the comics. But, yeah, she does stuff like that in the comics. So, I mean, it is what it is, so I can kind of deal with it. I think the biggest X factor is going to be how Maxwell Lord is portrayed. Yeah. That, Like I say, I don't want to give too much away about him. But he's somebody that is going to appear to be more, or not more than he seems. Sure. But he's definitely got a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. It's going to be an interesting uh, take by Pedro Pascal, I feel, because we've gotten so used to seeing him as, the, you know, the Mandalorian, the good guy, you know, the do-gooder, mm-hmm. you know, to all of a sudden kind of flip the script and go, oh, now he's kind of a bad guy. It's going to be good to see both sides of uh, Pedro Pascal. It's definitely going to be interesting to see. And like I say, when he gets involved with getting the power source that Mm -hmm. you kind of sense that from the commercials that he's granting wishes. Sure. Like he's almost like a genie, if you will. Right. But nothing ever comes without a cost. No, not usually. And obviously dealing in the the decade of decadence Mm -hmm. with the 80s where everything is more, 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 bigger, better, whatever. Brighter. It's good. Yeah, well, that's one thing we definitely see with this trailer. You're going to have that sense that he is definitely trying to acquire some kind of status acquire Mm -hmm. being the major focal point of this timeline yeah and where he comes across wonder woman is he's going to make a deal basically that she can't say no to Mm -hmm. and obviously we know we see steve trevor is back in this timeline somehow somehow 
and obviously Maxwell Lord is going to be involved in that. But we also see that Barbara Minerva is also trying to step her status up mm-hmm. as well. And this kind of plays into how she becomes Cheetah because yeah. definitely in a lot of the comics – you see a different interpretation of how she turns into Cheetah. Yeah, and I definitely get the vibe off of the trailers that she knows what's going on with with Diana. That she knows she knows she knows who she is and what she is and what she can do. So I definitely get the feeling that there's a lot of envy, you know, jealous envy, I guess you could say, where mm. she, you know, she definitely seems down and out on her luck. She might be, you know, she might hate her job. She might hate where she is in life. It's not where she dreamed. She might have dreams of being, you know, some big CEO or big designer or big, you know, programmer or whatever it is, you know, had big dreams and she's not where she wanted. She sees Diana who has everything she wants, at least on the surface. We know as as the viewers that she doesn't have everything she wants, Mm -hmm. you know, so she's like, oh, I want to be where she is and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get there. You know, so I definitely think envy is going to play a part in this. I think so too, and I think that it is going to play to like the tragic foil. Yeah, which I can definitely see happening. Here. Yeah, and it, it would make sense with this. Story. Yeah, definitely. If if they end up playing up the envy part of it, there's going to be that line where it's like, "Listen, you think I have everything? I don't." Yeah. So obviously, where this story is going to go is anybody's guess. Yeah. But something is going to happen where Wonder Woman disappears from the timeline again mm-hmm. because obviously that's being set in eight, 1984. Yep. To see her reappear. During Batman vs Superman, yep, a lot has happened since then. Mm-hmm. So, what would cause that? Yeah, it could be that obviously getting a lot of emotional damage from the Max sure. Lord incident, sure, might play in a factor. Sure, it could be that scene from the comics, which I'm just going to show Pad. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that, yeah, and how that plays out because yeah. there's a moment that happens in the comics. That is broadcasted to the world. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of the only spoiler I'll give away. Sure. That. I'm not going to say what, but it's something that can definitely damage your reputation. Yeah, and it, and it just definitely seems like, at least from Batman v Superman, that she's even more off the grid than she was prior, mm-hmm. which seems harder to do because as you go on from 1984, the internet comes along, cell phones and cameras and video cameras and, you know, Twitter and YouTube and all that. So. You know, she definitely goes more to ground to the point where it's all—it's only in like the only way Bruce finds out about her is he—he he happens to dig up or find an old photo from World War One. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have that backstory going on, but this definitely is going to be a trendsetter, though. Yeah, because this is the first big blockbuster that Warner Brothers is releasing to HBO Max. Mm-hmm. We know the deal of their entire movie slate for 2021 is debuting on HBO Max, along with movie theaters that are open, depending Correct. where you are in the world. Correct. Obviously, with everything going on with C-19. So, Pat, let me ask you this. Sure. This is a monster success. Mm-hmm. I'm talking, we're, we got to say astronomical numbers here of, of views, of yeah. subscriber yeah. increases. Do you think that Disney Plus reacts no, because I think they've seen uh, the reactions of Christopher Nolan and then Dennis Villanueva. You know, Christopher Nolan, obviously very friendly and loves Warner Brothers, directed a lot of movies for them. Uh, Dennis Villanueva, uh, the director of their upcoming uh, Dune film, which will be launching on HBO Max next year. Uh, they're hoping it does well enough to spring off into a uh, franchise, a series of films. But Disney is sitting there, and they've and they've seen how pissed off Christopher Nolan is, and Dennis Villanueva is, 
I, I've read some stuff about some actors and actresses being a little pissed off about it behind the scenes because their contracts are worked a certain way where they get paid based off of how it does at the film. And this is going to under uh, how it does at the box office, I should say. And this is going to undercut it a little bit. So I think they've sit they've they've sat there and they've kind of seen all the all of the ripples that have come out of this boulder. It's not even a stone or a pebble out mm. of this boulder that's got or comet, I guess you could say, that got dropped into the ocean, you know. Where they've sit, they've sat there and they've seen this, and and they they already haven't blinked because you think back to Disney Investor Day mm. uh, last week. I forget what the film was, but there was a film that they did say was coming to Premier Access. So, the, the, but with this, I don't think they're going to blink just because I don't think they they want to piss off any directors or any people they have good relation working relationships with because with, with the whole Christopher Nolan thing. He's almost been exclusively with Warner Brothers for as long as I can remember. I don't think there's some sort of deal there. I could, right. I could be wrong, but it's almost like a handshake. Yeah, I like you. You like me. We'll, we'll continue to work together. But if that relationship has soured on his end to where he doesn't want to work with Warner Brothers anymore, that he doesn't like the direction they're going, you know, there is every... Uh, movie studio in Hollywood that is going to be doing everything they can to poach him and say, hey, come make movies for us. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think the mouse is going to blink, too. No. I, I just can't see Disney Plus really overreacting about this. No, I think for Disney, it's going to be a... They're not going to they're not going to react and go everything on Disney Plus for free. Yeah. I think for them, it's going to be a strategically figure out, okay... What movies do we think aren't going to do all that well that we can just put on Disney Plus? Because they're putting out some straight to Disney Plus, no $30 access fee. There's going to be some that they put with the $30 access fee. And then there's going to be some, like at least with uh, Black Widow at this point, that is going to theaters and not to Disney Plus as well. Yeah, I think Black Widow is the movie everybody's going to watch after this to see what they're going to do. Are they going to stream it to Disney Plus? Are they going to just keep their date about releasing it to movie theaters in Mm -hmm. May, I believe it still is? I think it's still May, yeah. It's jumped around so many times, I honestly lose track. But I think for Wonder Woman 84, this is the right move to do during this time period. And I think people have to remember that, too. Yeah, I mean, because this is also like we mentioned last week or two weeks or whatever was we were talking about the HBO Max uh, Warner Brothers deal. Mm. This also is one of those films that, you know, you have to put it out because eventually people are going to forget about it and they're not going to want to see it and it's going to hurt its bottom line. Absolutely. I mean, you take a think about it. Wonder Woman, the original movie debuted in 2017. 2017. Or three years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Jinx. Yeah. So, but you're exactly right that the timeline, the fan base is going to wait for a sequel before it gets stale. You have a limited window to strike. And not saying the fans wouldn't show up because Wonder Woman right. is such an iconic character. Right. right. But you also have to sit there and go, okay, if this character is going to tie into any other movie projects, we do know about the Snyder Cut coming. Right. We do know that the DC EU or however you want to define it is re upping with a lot of movie projects coming. Mm hmm. You want to make sure this movie gets its proper due. And obviously the hype behind it has definitely got fans intrigued. The minute this said it was going to HBO Max, yeah. how many more subscribers jumped? How many more right. eyes were looking to HBO and saying, okay, how are we going to get this on Roku? How are we going to get this on Amazon, you know, on Fire Stick? Right. This is where the needle shifted. And for the movie, it has to live up to the hype. Yeah. I think anything less than a success is a failure. Yeah, so I was looking up on the IMDb page. They they wrapped initial filming, ironically, uh, two years ago tomorrow on the 22nd. 
they finished initial initial filming. They went back and did some more in July of 2019. Mm. Uh, it was originally announced for release on December 13th, 2019, before being moved up to November 1st, 2019. Uh, so this was already had supposed to have come out a year ago. Yep. Uh, it was then delayed uh, to June 5th, 2020. It, you know, it was delayed a whole bunch of times because of the COVID pandemic. You know, so we're already hit. You know, a year since its initial release date, you know, and then even year plus because they think back and moved up. So, you know, it's not quite in the new mutants territory where it's been delayed for three years. So people don't really care, but you have to be careful. And, and you know, I while it's a risky and they might piss off a lot of people and, and they may lose some directors who take their their work and their, you know, ideas elsewhere. It's a move you have to do. Yeah, I think you have to do it as well. I mean, Patty Jenkins is on board with it. And I think that. When you have the cast that just wants to get the movie out, mm-hmm. and they they know that it's going to go back to theaters too. I mean, I think that's one thing that we keep mentioning on the show, but it's true. Right. If a movie is this successful, you can put it back in the theaters, and people will still go. Will you still make two hundred million or whatever you're going to make off this movie? Probably not. Right. But you're definitely going to have more eyes on your product that is going to be able to be streamed. Mm-hmm. And if this movie is going to be a knockout out of the park, which I think it's going to be. Like, I haven't read any spoilers. I've been ducking that. And I know that there's some that have leaked out. I've just kind of read grades. Yeah. And all the grades I've read from the sources I go to have said very high things. So the only thing I've heard about it that's kind of negative is that the international numbers aren't quite what they were hoping for. Right. But once the hype comes out, I mean, usually it's just the Internet generates. Mm -hmm. So I think the big temp in the room is going to be Christmas Day on social media. Yeah. Because I think we're going to get the instant reaction from people watching. Mm-hmm. They're going to go take it. So, obviously, the international numbers are going to be what they are. But then again, we also have to remember how many movie theaters worldwide are open right now. That's true. And I think that the expectation that it's going to dominate the box office, we also have to keep in context of where we are in the world right now. Mm-hmm. So, the fact we're getting a new movie that looks very good yeah. for what it's going to be, Yeah, it's got to come out. And it's got to definitely impress because for DC, the stakes are that much higher, I think, yeah. than Marvel. Because yeah. obviously, whether you love it or you hate it, Batman vs. Superman, Justice League, very polarizing with fan bases. Mm-hmm. To continue movie franchises in a shared universe, and technically is still a shared. Kind of, yeah. The pressure is on this film to de- develop, which I th- or deliver, rather, which I think it's going to develop into yeah. another shared we'll universe, the, but it's going to be loose shared. D- yeah, DC's on a roll, you know, like you mentioned, Batman, Superman, Justice League, very polarizing. But once you look at, hit, you know, I think Wonder Woman was the one that really started it, where mm-hmm. you had Wonder Woman, which rolled into Aquaman, which rolled into uh, Shazam. Shazam, which, you know, it's rolling back in, you know, Birds of Prey, a little step back backwards but it's still enjoyable yeah you know but now you've got one woman 1980 like you know it's it's like when you see in baseball you know you have first batter gets up gets a hit next guy gets a hit next guy gets a hit. you don't want to be the guy to go to the plate and not get a hit right you know the same can be said for for movie franchises in, in a shared universe you don't want your movie to be the one that like takes a you know, five steps backwards with, oops, we, 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 you know, we set ourselves back a few years. You know, they want to keep things going. Yeah, they can't afford to take a loss with this, but I don't think they're going to. I think no. Gail Godot has transcended the role mm-hmm. into making it one of the most recognizable characters in all of comic movie fandom. Patty Jenkins has done an amazing job bringing new life to this character and definitely reignited a fan base that maybe wasn't so keen about seeing this movie at, at original thought. Sure. But the movie delivered. And when you can put the great acting with a great director, 
with great writing mm-hmm. and make something happen. I mean, the only knock I've ever had about Wonder Woman 2017 is I thought the third act went too long. Yeah. I thought they, yeah, str- I agree with they stretched yeah. it out too much. But we talked yeah. about that in a past episode. I think if, as long as they kind of learn from that mistake and they don't try juggling too much with two major antagonists, mm-hmm. I think this film is going to deliver. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to deliver big. And I think for DC, it needs to. Yeah. But I don't think they have to re- like really worry about it too much. I think unless it goes completely off the rails. Yeah. Because this kicks off their calendar year yep. where you're going to have the Snyder Cut coming. You do have a couple more movies lined up. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, we don't know where dates are going to be, and they're not yep. official where everything yeah. is going to fall, so I don't want to go speculating. Until I, until I can hit play on HBO Max or wherever it's going to be, I don't believe it's coming. Right. You just kind of have to wait and see, but for everything they've introduced at Fandom, mm-hmm. this was the lead-off show for Fandom. I believe and so, definitely yeah. they've they went back to the well a little bit to, to hype up about Wonder Woman 84, and I mean, rightfully so. It's been so. done for a year and a half. It's been done, so it's definitely got to come out and definitely be something to be excited about. Yeah. So final thoughts on this before we go into watching the movie? Excited to see where they go with this. Excited for the story. I'm also excited for the callbacks to the 80s. I mean, music, fashion, you know, the trends. That's something I'm really looking forward to because it's been shown that you can have fun and do with it. You look at Captain Marvel and and just how great that was because of all the 90s music and clothes and everything. I'm excited to see what they can do with there. Maybe you see a DeLorean in the background. I'm just saying. Anything is possible, but I am very excited to see this movie. I'm, I'm glad we're finally going to see it in one way or another. Yeah. We finally have new content. DC has been having a great year as far yeah. as delivering announcements yeah. and delivering content. So this, ex- I don't expect them to fall off by any means. Yeah, and we should know uh, HBO Max announced uh, either today or within the last couple of days, if, if you're curious when it's going to be dropping, because Lord knows everything's different. Uh, it will be available to watch on HBO Max and you can figure out where this is in relation to you uh, at 12 p.m. Eastern time uh, and that which is also 9 a.m. Pacific time. OK, so that's when it hits that point, hopefully, because Lord knows you might run into some server issues. Uh, that's when you're going to be able to hit play. Yeah, I can imagine everybody's going to download the, the movie at once. Yeah, I would say it's going to be like it's going to be like Disney Plus all over again where everyone tried to access the servers at once and they couldn't quite hold it. Yeah, so it's going to be something to keep an eye on for HBO Max. But I think with this movie, a lot has got to be excited about. I mean, yeah. obviously, Gail Godot reprising the role, a huge fan favorite. You're going to see the two new antagonists get introduced with Cheetah and Maxwell Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm just more curious as a comic fan of how they're going to do Maxwell Lord. Yeah. Because I've read him, and obviously, if you're going to do him like he was in the Justice League International series, it's going to be something a little different. If you're going to go into some other storylines, um, which I'll just refer to as Infinite Crisis, hmm. uh, we could go a lot of different ways with the character. So I'm waiting to see how he is portrayed by Pedro Pascal, but I'm excited about it. Kristen Wiig. Uh, I was a little hesitant about, but the more I've seen from sure. the trailers, I'm more excited to see where she goes with, and then how this is going to lead into the eventual third movie. Because I think that it's all been greenlit. If if it hasn't been already, there's been so much moving and shaking going on with DC. It's hard to keep track. But the only, fact, the only thing I've heard about with the third movie is that Patty Jenkins has said if it happens, it would be set in like modern times. Yeah, which I I fully think it's going to. I think they definitely want to get that third movie. And I think with everything that's going to be shown on HBO Max, it's going to just have the fans asking for a third one. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely have to wait to see on Christmas Day how it turns out. And definitely we'll be talking about it next week on the ODPH. But let's talk about it before, shall we? Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What's your thoughts going into Wonder Woman 80, 1984? Are you excited or are you not and why? Let's talk, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, my name is JT. What's up everyone, I'm Darren. Hey, what's up guys, I'm Josh. 
Hey guys, I'm Christian. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Dominic, and we're the East Coast Avengers. We're a group of five friends who get together weekly and talk about everything that's going on in the nerd universe. Whether you're a fan of Marvel, DC, Star Wars, video games, comics, or anything else nerdy that you can think of, we're the podcast for you. You can find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever streaming platform you use to listen to your favorite podcasts on. You can also catch us on our YouTube channel where we release tons of content such as vlogs, unboxings, TV and movie recaps, and trailer reactions. So if those things sound good to you, then check out the East Coast Avengers podcast. We hope you enjoy. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to talk a little one-shots. Shall we, Pat? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, first of which is some unfortunate news. It was announced uh, on Friday last week, I believe it was, that the uh, actor Jeremy Bullock, best known for playing Boba Fett in Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, passed away at the age of uh, 75. Uh, he was born in Leicester, England in 1945 uh, and was a mainstay on British television with dozens of credits on shows like Doctor Who and Robin of Sherwood. Uh, he also appeared in several James Bond movies like The Spy Who Loved Me and Octopussy. Of course, in 1980, 1980, he donned the Boba Fett armor in Empire Strikes Back, as well as uh, Lieutenant Shekel in the same film. Bullock uh, did reprise his role in the armor for Return of the Jedi. Uh, he would have gone to have a small cameo in uh, ep- Episode 3 of Revenge of the Sith as Captain Jeremiah Col- uh, Colton, and he was a mainstay in the convention circuit and gave talks and appearances. Uh, he retired uh, from doing uh, conventions in 2018. Uh, it was uh, news of his death was shared on social media by actor Daniel Logan, who, of course, played uh, young Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones in Star Wars, the Clone Wars. Uh, you know, so a very unfortunate. It was very sad news, especially on a day that, you know, a Boba Fett spinoff show was announced. Yeah. But great actor, incredible actor and, you know, wishing the well to his uh, friends and family. Uh, switching over to some more Star Wars news. Uh, the AEW senior vice president. Is that his title? I don't know. Uh, one, yeah. one Cody Rhodes decided to cause a stir on Twitter uh, yesterday as we record. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. We're currently as we record this thing is a tweet, a singular tweet is sitting at nine point six k likes, uh, six hundred and thirty one retweets, three point one k quote tweets. Uh, where he decided to list his uh, Star Wars ranking, I guess you could say, of the uh, films and, and the TV series. So, uh, number one, he has Empire Strikes Back. Number two, he has The Last Jedi. Number three, Revenge of the Sith. Number four, The Force Awakens. Uh, number five, he has uh, Return of the Jedi. At number six, he has A New Hope. Uh, number seven, he has The Mandalorian. Eight, he has Clone Wars. Nine, he has Attack of the Clones. Uh, Ten, he has Rise of Skywalker. Eleven, he has uh, Rebels. Twelve, he has Solo. 
13, he has Phantom Menace. And then 14, he has Rogue One. Egregious. Okay, like, uh, yeah, now I'm exploding about this. Uh, what the... Uh, Rogue One should never, ever mm-hmm. be that low. Yeah. Like, I... You cannot say because, well, it's just kind of thrown in there. Is You know, that movie, okay, f- the last 10 minutes alone is better than Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And then you want to factor in the rest of the movie, which is great. Yeah. I mean, it starts a little slow, but it builds. And yeah. Once it builds, I mean, that should be in, in your top 10, if not your top five. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. The fact that you have Last Jedi, which I'm sorry, every time I'm rewatching that movie now, it drops further and further down my list. Sure. Like, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm completely going. I really liked it when I first saw it, and now I'm just picking it apart every time I watch it. Mm-hmm. Rogue One has to be higher than yeah. that. I mean, for me, Empire Strikes Back would probably be number one. I agree with him there. Number two for me would probably be Revenge of the Sith. It's, it's one of those movies that just, it's incredible. It's awesome. You know, I want the ending to change every time because I like the Jedi. I like the good guys. I hate seeing them lose, but it happens, you know, it happens every time. Three, I would probably put uh, A New Hope. Uh, you know, it, it's the one that started everything for me. It's the first one I saw, you know, when it, they re-released it in theaters in the 90s. Uh, after that, I would probably have to say Clone Wars, you know, just because it's so close and it's so integral, you know, to a, <laughs> feels like a decade of my life. Mm. Uh, after that, I would probably have to say, because I'm, I'm going off, I didn't write this down. I'm kind of going off the top of my head. After that, I probably have to say Mandalorian comes in next. Uh, and then I would have to say, but, 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 I'd probably put Force Awakens after that. Uh, and then, oh, uh, probably uh, Return of the Jedi would probably be next. You know, it's it's one of those ones that like, it's okay. It's not bad. You know, I sometimes skip it when I'm doing my rewatch. Not, through any, not that there's anything wrong with it. Just it's, yeah, it's kind of okay. Uh, after that, I would probably say Solo is in there in there next. I, I enjoy the hell out of it, but just there's so much more good that I enjoy the hell out of uh, more out of it. But it, it, it's it's good. I enjoy it. Uh, then I would probably have to say Rebels would probably come in next. It, it's it's good. I enjoy it. it. It's a great show, but it, you know, I haven't rewatched it since it finished airing. I, I need to get on that. Uh, then I would probably have to say uh, Phantom Menace is is in there. Uh, then Rise of Skywalker probably comes in next after that. Uh, and then I'm trying to see if I missed anything. Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones is bottom. Attack of Attack of the Clones is bottom of the list. And Cody forgot one, so I'll put I'll put it in there for him. Attack of the Clones is is bottom of my list. The Clone Wars movie is uh under Clone Attack of the Clones. the The Clone Wars movie is bad. Yeah, that's it, you mentioned. It, it, it's it's like two or three. I forget how. It's a couple episodes stitched into a movie. You know, it's it's got Sam Jackson returning as uh, Mace Windu. Mm-hmm. It, it's got Christopher. No, I almost said Christopher Reeve. Uh, it, it's got the guy playing Dooku returning. Oh, Christopher Lee. Yes, Christopher Lee returns as Dooku. You know, it's enjoyable. It's a it's it's not a it's a okay start, but it's not great. But putting Rogue One at the bottom, egregious. That's uncalled for. No way that should be done. Okay, I can just give you my speed version. Sure. Okay, Empire Strikes Back is the best of the bunch. Oh, yeah. No questions asked. Yeah. We're done. Number two is A New Hope. Sure. I'm sorry. That's what kicked off the whole deal with it. Three, I could even get talked into uh, The Force Awakens because it is just a refresh of A New Hope. Let's be honest about it. Sure. For Rogue One. Sure. 
five. I'll put Mando in there right now because okay. Mando has already kind of stepped its game up there. Yeah. I can't say I can jump on Rebels and Clone Wars because I'm still behind on them. Sure. And then after that, honestly, you can kind of mix and match everything else. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think Solo should be somewhere up there. It's yeah. not the greatest, no, but it was a, entertaining. It's, yeah, it's fun. But I'll already tell you, my bottom, my bottom is Attack of the Clones. Right above it is Phantom Menace. And then you can kind of mix and match in between because for me, I always just connect on like what what I really loved about it. And mm-hmm. I always thought, okay, Empire had the classic moments. Sure. New Hope was classic. Sure. Force Awakens reignited why I cared about it. Sure. Rogue One really brought back the throwback to A New Hope. And sure. like that era of time, I think, has been Star Wars' strongest one, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mando is part of that time. I'm not a huge fan of Return of the Jedi. Sure. One, because, well, they did Boba Fett egregiously wrong. Yeah. George Lucas, I'm, I'm looking at you about this. Ewoks. Yeah. Don't care. And then you basically took out the Death Star the same way you did the first time, right? Uh, more or less, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you didn't really reinvent the wheel. You didn't have the big crescendo. Revenge of the Sith I'll put up there because yeah. that's gotten better. And I'm sorry for the last fight scene. Yeah, I'll put it there. Yeah. When Anakin finally snaps and goes crazy. Yep. But for, like, everything else, you can kind of mix and match a little bit in between. Like I say, for The Rise of Skywalker, I don't hate it as much as other people. No, I enjoy but it. But it's not up in my top five. No, no. I mean, for me, I enjoy Phantom Menace. You know, front to back, front to back it's, a, it's a good story. It goes along. Yeah, it's got its issues. Yeah, Jar Jar is a pain in the ass. But, you know, I, I enjoy it. And plus, I, I maybe it's rose-colored glasses because from when I saw it as a kid. I'm sorry, the duel with Darth Maul alone. Duel of the Fates, incredible. Mm-hmm. I for me, Attack of the Clones would move up on the list if you take out the whole love sequence on Naboo. Like have them go there, sure. Sow some scenes of them doing stuff, sure. I get why they had to do it because they had to get married and then they have, yeah, to have yeah. kids and part of the plot. I get it. But if you take out the whole love sequence for Attack of the Clones, it would jump up the list for me because the rest of it is enjoyable as hell. Obi Wan going on the detective mission to figure out who the assassin was before and tracking him down and then going to Geonosis and the battle sequences on Geonosis. You know, Anakin dual, dual lightsabers, Yoda finally fighting for the first time. You know, outside the love sequences, it's not a bad film. It's just the love sequences drag it down a lot. Nah, screw that movie. I can't get. I just. I can't. No, that's I, fair. You know, but it is what it is. I mean, I understand fans have. You can be interpretive of how you want to be yeah. about it, and sure. But no freaking way, Rogue One should be down that low, Cody. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Strong disagree. So anger disagreement. Yeah. Join in that conversation on Twitter because we have a great thread going about yeah. that right now. So. Yeah. Definitely stick to the guns about that. Yep. And then lastly, I got to give myself a little pat on the back. After Lord knows how many days, I got to figure out something else to count, something else to say at the end of the show. Our national nightmare is over. (laughs) HBO Max is finally on Roku. It dropped on Thursday, I believe it was, last week. The deal finally got done. Uh, Thank God. It's about goddamn time. Long overdue. Uh, so, and I, but you knew this deal was going to get done given the yeah. fact, given the fact that the, you know, all of next year's Warner brothers films are coming to HBO max. Plus you've got wonder woman dropping in a few days. That was kind of like our, the, the wonder woman thing alone was like, all right, this is going to kind of move the deal along. Then they dropped the, oh yeah, all of our movies next year are going to be on HBO max. It was like, all right, this is giving them the move a quick uh, kick in the ass. Yeah, so everybody, you can thank Pad if you own Roku. He got this deal done. Yep. Because he has been hounding everybody involved to get this done. Mm-hmm. You deserve some compensation, my friend. So somebody needs to tweet at Roku about this. Something. And let's give Pad like a free subscription. That's all we say. Because he's definitely putting some work for that. So kudos to you, my friend. Thank you. 
So for my one shot, it's been a quiet week, obviously, with everything going on in the snowstorm <laughs> tundra that we live on. The snowpocalypse. Yeah, the snowpocalypse. But DC Comics did announce a new creative team coming to Nightwing, which I am super excited about. Okay. Tom Taylor and Bruno Renato mm-hmm. from, you know them from the Suicide Squad and Justice Gods Among Us, do amazing work. Tom Taylor taking over the reins of Dick Grayson. Bring it on. I'm here for it. Forget Rick Grayson. I, I don't even want to talk about him. But I am super, super stoked about what uh, Taylor is going to bring to the character. So I also know for writing in DC, uh, Brian Michael Bendis is moving on from doing Superman. Uh, and taking over for him is one Philip Kennedy Johnson. Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah. I heard Bendis is taking in the reins of Justice League. Ooh. So Ooh. You, you kind of knew that was coming yeah. eventually. Yeah. But I hear Green Arrow is somehow going to be the head of it. Whoa, that now could be, that could be interesting. I, I can't confirm that, so I definitely got to hit up, obviously, Cheers to Comics, Wednesday Poll. Shout out to our great comic uh, content-creating friends out there uh, to confirm this. But I heard some rumors going around that Green Arrow is either going to be on the team or he's running the hmm. team. And for Bendis, I mean, listen, he's done great work. Yeah. I, I'm trusting his vision. Uh, obviously, what he did with Avengers, Nuff said when that lineup came out, I was like, what, how is this going to work? And it was brilliant, so... A lot of exciting news happening with DC Comics, and obviously with Future State coming. Uh, DC's got a big kickoff to 2021 coming, so definitely stay tuned for that. And obviously it is the holiday season, and from the ODPH panel to you, we wish you a happy and safe, healthy holiday season. So, Pat, how about some holiday movie recommendations? Uh, I'd say, well, one, you're not going to hear me mention Elf. Uh, I partially hate that movie now. Really? I saw it in theaters when it came out, loved the hell out of it, but then... To not being able to turn on any of the channels here we have uh, that like to play movies during the holiday time and not being able to escape it for the past 15 years has really turned me off of it. So it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong, but I hate watching it now because it's on everywhere. Uh, outside of I'll, I'll say outside of the usual holiday movies because everyone's got you know ones of those first two Harry Potter films are pretty good to watch if, if you want to you know they got a little happy Christmassy you know feel feel good vibe to it can never go wrong with the Lord of the Rings uh, marathon you know around the holiday times I always do one at least myself also a good James Bond marathon or a couple James Bond maybe there's some from the Roger Moore uh, era or even the Sean Connery era there's just something about holidays because I know they've they've done it around. Uh, Thanksgiving, I know they've done it around Easter when they used to be on TV all the time, and, and Christmas especially. There's something about holidays that in James Bond that's just so synonymous. Fair enough. I was going to say no Die Hard. No. I've seen it. It's okay. Oh, it's so, so good. I, I'm that I have to rewatch that. I mean, for me, I always like a good laugh, so obviously National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is up one. there. It's a good one. A Christmas Story. It's a good one. I'll, I'll be at the uh, AEW's version. I, I know you're not a fan, but, you know, what can I say? Jim MJ- Carrey's Elf. Or, uh, no, uh, Jim Carrey, not Jim Carrey's Elf. Jim Carrey's uh, Grinch. Yeah, that was, that was that, a pretty good that's one. That's a good one. There's so many good movies to check out, but definitely the major point is celebrate the holidays, celebrate with the loved ones, mm-hmm. and keep it safe, keep it healthy, and keep it happy because it's the time of year to do it. Yes. So that all being said, the music you heard on this episode of the ODPH Podcast is that of Shout at the Robots. Now, Pad. You know they got a Patreon, right? Mm-hmm. You know they got some really cool gear on that. Uh, this is true. Where do you find out about that? OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Right on. So you go over to the music section. You can check out everything going on with our good friends over at Shout. You can check out Second Suitor, which Tyler is planning a new show coming out 
on Facebook, I believe. Ooh. He just announced it as we were recording. So he's got something cooked up for the three-year anniversary of Second Suitor. So you definitely want to go check out what they have cooking. You definitely want to check out everything going on with Floodlands. Our good friend Brian Wolf, Fair City Fire fan. Yeah. Definitely has got the Patreon going for Wednesday concerts. We do share that on our social media accounts, so you definitely want to check it out. This week, he's doing all holiday songs, from what I've been told. Ooh. So last week, he did an amazing Bruce Springsteen set, did one of my favorite songs by Bruce, Atlantic City. So definitely want to check out what he's got cooking up and all the great music you find here on the ODPH. You can also check out on the website, Friends of the Show at the directory. You can also check out organizational links, support Black Lives Matter. You can check out the amazing pod groups we are in via the Podchaser pages, because I always say this. If you're in a pod group and you're not on Podchaser, you're not a group. Sorry, just saying. So shout out to our friends over at Pod Nation. Shout out to the Legion of the Podcast. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to the Apocalypse. And, of course, shout out to Hashtag 607 Podcast. And our friends over at 8122 Productions, Rich, Ron, Mike C, and Hashtag Big Natty Cool. Still on Twitter, Pat. Oh, boy. He hasn't been kicked off. You want to know why we keep saying he hasn't been kicked off? Have you signed up for their Patreon? You will find out why we say he hasn't been kicked off yet, and we're all kind of, like, shocked. Because Diesel comes with the content that we would love to talk about on this show, but we can't because I'll kick it kicked off by three different providers. This is fact. This is not a line. This is not a joke. I seriously have been told if I talk about his stuff, I can't, I'm going to get kicked off. So if you want to find out what the big secret is, $1 gets you in the door, $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. All of that, our link to our uh, T Public store is up there live too, and so much more at ochoduroparleyhour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only Pat O1J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Happy holidays, everyone. See you next time. <laughs>